Welcome to The Doing Effect. My name is Tom Mitchell and I'm a professional rugby sevens player and Olympian. And on this podcast, I'm going to explore the worlds of people who are truly making the most of their days. We will be going behind the curtain to listen to the stories, lessons and lives of people doing great things to hear how they live out The Doing Effect. Thank you for joining us today for the first ever episode of The Doing Effect podcast, an exciting moment made extra special by our very first guest. At the age of 27 years old, Olivia Strong set up Run for Heroes, a project that went viral during the UK lockdown. It led to a chain of people running five kilometres, donating five pounds to NHS charities and nominating five people to do the same. Run five, donate five, nominate five. At present, Run for Heroes has raised around £8 million and seen over 1.5 million people take part, including celebrities like musician Ellie Goulding, athlete Jessica Ennis-Hill and the First Minister of Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon. We get to hear how one day the idea sprung from going on her own run. She sheds light on the trials of going viral and the mindset required to take something from a small idea to a global project, a project which has earned Olivia an MBE. Run for Heroes is now a registered charity with bigger and better plans for the future. I'm super excited to find out how this viral NHS supporting sensation came to be and meet the mind behind it all. Olivia, thank you so much for choosing to spend some time to talk about your story, your journey, um, everything that you've achieved in the last kind of year and a bit. I kind of want to get straight into it, if that's all right, and go right back to the the beginning. Um, Was there a moment, like a moment of conception for Run for Heroes? Or did it just come to you one day and you thought, that's a great idea, I'm going to make it happen? Yeah, it's a really good question, Tom. Um, we, I, I had my work had been put down to a two-day week. So I normally live in London and I came back up to Edinburgh. Um, and it was the first week of lockdown. I got back home and I was like, oh my God, how am I going to fill my days? Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to try and um, volunteer with the NHS. So put in all the details to volunteer because I thought, why not? I have all this time on my hands. Um, and they weren't accepting applications up in Edinburgh. So, so on, on the Friday, the 28th of March, 27th of March, I went on a run um, around Arthur's Seat in Edinburgh, which is this beautiful landscape. Like it's such a, it's like my favorite running route. And I was halfway up. And I was like, oh, God, this pouring of rain, all these people are out running. And I thought, well, why don't we just pay to go on? Why don't we just, I just ask all these runners to pay to go on their, you know, 5K and to apply the same principles as a marathon, but this time donate instead to the NHS. So I was like, half when I stopped and I was like, oh, you could ask people to run 5K and donate five pounds that's a reasonable amount of money to ask you know I'd lost my job pretty much so I knew that at the time loads of other people had didn't want to ask people to give too much um and I called my mom and I was like mom I think I'm going to start this thing like you know ask people to run 5k and then donate five pounds what do you think and she was like yeah I, I guess so like where are you I was like I'm gonna run and I've just had this like idea and she was like Oh yeah, why not? Go for it, Olivia. Like, I don't really know. You've got crazy ideas. Um, I got back home and I spoke to my brother and he was like, yeah, like run 5k, donate five pounds and then share and get people to, to do it. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of true. 
um, well, I may as well start an Instagram account because these challenges were kind of going, you know, from the toilets and um, challenge. What was it? It was like the toilet roll challenge. And um, so I WhatsApp the girls from home and I said, um, you know, what, what would be a good name for this? And there was like five for the fearless and I don't know, five for lives. And then they were, somebody said, run for heroes. And Alice said, run for heroes. And I was like, perfect, run for heroes. It's a name available on Instagram. Let's go for it. Then the next morning, just went out and ran 5K with my sister and then tagged like 20, 30 people on my Instagram story and asking them to do the same and like spammed all my mates and told them to tag run for heroes. And, and the next day, my brother was like, run, donate, share. It doesn't really like there's something not. And he just went, run, donate, nominate. I was like, oh my God, nominate five. Yeah, let's do five, five, five. And and that's kind of how it was born. And we launched on Saturday and by the Tuesday, it had reached the £5,000 target. So it was really, you know, it gained traction super quickly, which was, which was amazing. I mean, that is, I mean, it's such a cool story because when you tell it, it sounds like it kind of came out of nowhere. But so many of us who took part in it and um, I think I had to send you a picture of my own one just to prove that I had been involved as well. Um, the people see this kind of stuff come up on Instagram, the stuff that goes viral, people very rarely know kind of what, what's behind it and, and how it gets to the stage where now it's raised, I think the project's over, over 7 million pounds yeah. and which is amazing. So well done. I think that is unbelievable. But I mean, so from that original moment, there's lots of people who have ideas, right? Particularly probably when they're on, on a run. But then how, were there kind of a couple of key moments or a couple of key ingredients that made it successful that meant that it didn't just stop at your original target of 5,000 pounds and then it ended up raising 7 million? Yeah, I think it's, a, you know, there was a couple of um, key things. I think firstly, the first one to know is that, uh, I, like I'm going to say now, I didn't come up with the five where people had this, like you sent me your picture, you've got your five um, up as a hand. That came on, on the Saturday, it was quite quick. It was on maybe the Sunday. I started to get people's pictures and I thought, well, how can I get people to keep doing this or coming back to Run for Heroes and making sure that they know where to donate to? And it's not just a viral challenge that's just about, um, you know, running 5K and then showing your friends. It's like, no, no, we're, we're donating to charity. So how do we ensure that happens? And how we ensured that happened was to make sure that they came back to the Instagram account at all times so they knew where the, the donate button was at the beginning. And anyway, so I started reposting people's pictures because I thought that was a good way. People like to show that they're doing something. Um, it also makes people feel part of a community. And my friend Stephen wrote, like, had his hand up as a five and he tagged all of his friends on it. And I was like, oh my God, that's really clever. I'm just going to ask Stephen to send me that picture and then I'll upload that as the first picture um, on the grid. And then people will know that's the iconic thing to keep going. And ultimately it worked. And we just only posted people with the five with their hand up and that kind of came out became the iconic image so people then need to do that and I think there's a strong brand like campaign like that so that people know visually they can see exactly what Run For Heroes was that was definitely a defining moment um and then secondly it was my business partner India she is a you know designer and she really took it upon herself to brand it and give it a brand identity and she really wanted to make sure that it was like a pinch of positivity at otherwise really uncertain times. So we weren't going to focus on the negatives of lockdown. We were going to focus all on the positives, you know, like the positives of the fact that we're all coming together and raising all this money. And we kind of sat down 
virtually. And we decided, well, how can we get people to keep donating? So we set our targets small and we kept building upon them. So I didn't put £7 million for a fundraising thing. We, we did it in like £5,000. And then every time we reached the goal, we would celebrate it on Instagram. So we would have like a, we put up a post saying 25,000, you know, you've raised this. And then we'd ask the community, well, what do you want? What, what should we raise it to next? So somebody, I remember, put a million pounds when we had got to, I think it was the 5,000 pound target. And I was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> and so like literally two <laughs> weeks later, it did. Is that how quick it was? Two weeks basically went by and it was up to a million. Well, yeah, I think it's interesting actually, I should check the dates, but I know exactly one month into starting it, we reached the 5 million pounds. So it happened really quickly. Wow. Yeah. And then on bank holding on Easter Monday, it raised a million pounds in a day. And that was, that really was a moment that I like took a step back and was like, this has really gone beyond my friendship circle. And I was just reposting people's pictures. They were coming in so quickly. And I was like, I can't repost everybody's pictures anymore. Waking up at like, crack of dawn at that point with my sister got her to go and, and log into Instagram and it was just like I mean I can't tell you Instagram didn't even work but we just had our message requests and it was just like thousands of people tagging us I love that I want to come back to like when it was at its kind of most uh kind of hectic for you and those but picking out a couple of those things that you cited as being key for the success of it one was basically like choosing to to put out a positive message and the other one was kind of setting incremental goals and not kind of going for the big target straight away. Are those approaches that you take uh, individually, personally as well in your own life? Yeah, I'd say that I'm a big believer that like, um, if you have an idea, then, or if you have, like, if it's the smallest idea ever, it could just be like, if you wanted to go and, I don't know, go and do a hill walk at the weekend just do it. Like, don't overthink it. Don't start thinking about all the stuff that might go wrong with it. Just, just, jump in the deep end and try it out. And the worst that might happen is that you'll fail. And I think that if you just take it in small sections and like you don't, if I had, if I had thought on that run up Arthur C, I'm going to go out and raise 5 million pounds for the NHS. I would have been like, absolutely not. That wouldn't happen. But I went and I was like, if it only raises five pounds through my mom donating, it was five pound better off than charity would have had before. And I think if you keep that kind of positive mindset of it, then you can, you know, I, I often think you kind of surprise yourself because you don't really know what might happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I guess, and I don't know whether this became a feature for you, but celebrating each time you, you hit one of those milestones, right? Like when you hit the 2000, you hit the 5000, giving yourself a bit of a pat on the back. I mean, that was something that I certainly learned or have learned over like my career of playing playing rugby, particularly in the hard times, the importance of just celebrating the small wins. Um, Cause sometimes it's not just about celebrating, like getting the medal or getting a trophy. Sometimes it actually is just about giving yourself a pat on the back. If you've managed to get through a tough session or get through a tough day. And, and that's something that I certainly carry with me now is like the importance of celebrating the small wins and the small successes. I mean, obviously in your case, they weren't so small. We're talking like millions of pounds raised, but you know, being actually, it's not something that we necessarily tend to do. I find like looking at myself and some of my mates as well, we're not always that good at giving ourselves a pat on the back. Um, is that something that kind of you've had to cultivate or has that always been something that you've uh, made part of your kind of life? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really good point because I think that we, we, we live in a world where we think that we like we're surrounded by such high achievers and people that are doing such, you know, we're 
even in the Instagram world, it's like there's always somebody that's doing something better than you and there's always something that um, you, you can compare yourself. And I always say like comparison is the worst. It will lead to failure, failure ultimately if you keep comparing yourself to other people because what's so important is just like there's so many amazing, I don't know, successes that people don't even realise how great they are. You see it within your friendship groups, you know what I mean? Like people are always hard on themselves, but if you just kind of set yourself small goals celebrate those like what we did on run for heroes because ultimately how cool was it that we raised five thousand pounds like there was a there was a um interview that we did i did on the radio on like one of the local radio stations in edinburgh and they were like olivia's coming on they just raised seven thousand pounds and i'm like beside myself it's like the best thing ever i was so excited about it and um i often like go back sometimes and listen to the interview because Again, if you'd said at that point, you know, you will, it'll go, it'll raise so much more than that. It was such a special moment to get seven thousand um, pounds, and it was such a special moment to get to each each milestone for it. So I think it's really important to to like recognize success and recognize being able to achieve something. I love that. I love that. And talking of kind of failures, I guess, or, or moments you learn from, what were some of the tough moments? I mean. Often, you know, we, we could easily sit here and talk about how much money you've raised and how successful it's been and how many people got involved and all the cool celebs that were posting their their picture with their hand up. You know, same in sport, like people see you lift the trophy or get the medal or see you playing the game, but they don't see the work that goes on in the gym or the training field or in your case, you know, behind the scenes. No one knows how it gets to the end point. And invariably, I'm guessing there must have been some sort of tough times along the way or challenging times when you thought maybe it was you've already kind of mentioned that there were times when it felt a little bit too big for you I mean what were those like and and where do you turn in those kind of moments yeah I think failures is an interesting one because there was there's a couple of stuff that came along that we didn't really know how to deal with one being that we created it with virgin money giving and ultimately people online will have their um, views and maybe not and they're not always correct and People will write articles that are not factually correct. And it's it's a shame because you suddenly feel like, oh, you know, did I do the right thing by opening a page on Virgin Money Giving? So what kind of thing was that? Sorry. So like what kind of issues were those? You know, pe- people were upset because they think that Richard Branson owns Virgin Money Giving. He doesn't own it anymore. But people would post about it and they would, you know, say that we shouldn't be donating this much because they're going to make X amount of money. Virgin Money Giving are a not-for-profit. Ultimately, they also need to be able to survive, so they need to take a cut from whatever you know was getting raised on the donation page. And so people will backlash against that. I remember people were backlashing against the fact that you shouldn't, you know, NHS is not charity. That's you know, it's it's should we be donating money to something that's not charity? And actually, what we have to keep putting out our message as is that NHS is um, right now going through. It's something that they've never had to deal with. What we were raising money for is for the mental health support and also the keep to make NHS workers' life a little easier. And I think sometimes people don't understand that they were thinking that we were raising money for, I don't know, um, machines or a, a new hospital or whatnot, but actually it wasn't. It was that's taxpayers' money. It was just things like extra tea and coffee or, like I said, mental health support, wobble rooms that they could go to. So I think that was also a challenge that like, like we didn't have any experience on like how to deal with internet trolls or, or anything like that. 
They don't teach you that at school how to deal with internet. Maybe they do these days, actually, how to deal with internet trolls. That'd be a useful <laughs> lesson, probably. Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. I hope they do, you know. It was just like constant work, plus trying to also deal with the two days a week I had and not getting fired from my actual job. And um, so that was also a challenge. And I remember one day I called my boss and I said to her, Look, I'm actually I'm not going to lie. Like, I can't lie to you. I've worked there before, but you are a freelancer at the end of the day. So, you really have to like put your all into these work. And I just said, hey, I actually haven't done any work today because I've just been like regarding people's pictures. I've been like doing something with the fundraising page. I've been like trying to decide what our next target is going to be. And she was like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Just like work on Saturday. <laughs> so God, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I had a good relationship with my boss at the time. Yeah, I can imagine. And I guess the importance of having people around you, like your your brother and sister, but also an understanding boss and kind of having that support is is super important in anything that we do. Probably, who who's your favourite celeb that did it? Just out of interest, I think it's got to be Mo Sir Mo He, you know, it was just like <laughs> how cool. <laughs> how many degrees of separation yeah. were away from yeah. life? <laughs> and also, what was amazing about Mo <laughs> is that we didn't even know he was doing it because ITV News just sent us the clip. They had gone and filmed him doing it, so. That was a pretty epic moment. Right, reluctantly, I'm just going to hit the pause button on our chat, Olivia. So much more to delve into. But right now, let's hear what's been happening lately at Days Brewing. We've got one of the main men, Mike, to let us in on the action. Hi, guys. Mike here from Days Brewing. Uh, We hope you're enjoying the first episode of the Doing Effects podcast with, with Tom and Olivia. We just wanted to give you a very quick update on what Dunks and I are working on at the moment. It's clearly been a busy start to the year for us with dry January, bringing lots of attention to the alcohol-free beer category. But at the same time, we recognize that for many of our consumers and our customers and partners, the start to 2021 is is going to be a really tough period. It's a fundamental part of our mission at, at Days to drive forward the conversation around mental health. And this January, we're doubling down on our Days Duty commitment by donating all profits from our new mixed four packs to organizations that support our mental well-being. It's been great to see so much support for our Forward Fours initiative so far, and we really look forward to pushing that conversation forward for the rest of the year. Other than that, we've been keeping busy by making some improvements to the order process and getting plans in place with some wicked distribution partners who are gonna help us bring more great beer to, to you guys when things start to open up. We really appreciate all of your support since we launched just a few months ago. Please do continue referring friends and as ever, all thoughts, ideas, challenges, and, and feedback are very welcome. All right, enjoy your days, folks. So, Olivia, back to your journey and your story. I, I can imagine, and I guess we've all been there, especially those of us who have been in situations where we're trying to achieve something and we're kind of putting our all into making a success of something. There are times when it can come become pretty heavy and it can, you know, when you are up more hours of the day than maybe you want to and you're getting up early so that you can get stuff done and... You're trying to squeeze things in and you're probably doing quite a lot that's outside your comfort zone, I imagine. Are there things that you kind of come back to that that help you manage that? Uh, I don't want to say stress because it might not have been stress, but manage the intensity of it, as you said, and like the workload. Mm. I think actually it's good, a good point that you picked up about the fact that like right now, I'd say right now, you know, I stopped working full time in October and work now full time and run for heroes. And I think probably now has been the bit that, um, you know, back in April, there was so much happening. It was such a strange time anyway in our lives because everybody was locked down. We didn't really know what was going on. But fast forward nine months like later, 
um, and working full time around free heroes, I think is the constant reminder that um, that it's that why I'm doing it. I always have to go back to the messaging. It's like, okay, well, why why have I just quit my job that like I was quite happy doing <laughs> to do to do run free heroes full time? And I think I keep reminding myself that because I'm working by myself pretty much on it, and I keep reminding myself the core the core of it like I know there's something in it that we've touched the imagination of so many different people around the UK and we've created something that can ultimately um help other people and it can continue to help other people if and with that messaging it's always like okay this is why and then I have to say one of the best things I um caught how I best cope with situations where it becomes overwhelming or stressful is that I use running as a tool for that. I don't really run if I, um, you know, for fitness levels, it's really like it clears my head and it gives me like clarity that I need to start my day with. And so if I don't have that running, if I have an injury or something and I can't run, it's like not good. (laughs) I need to be able to start, start it because it's just, I don't, I don't know what your choice of sport would be for that if it would be rugby but um for me it's 100 running yeah i mean i think and it probably is for a lot of people because it has a real kind of meditative quality doesn't it um yeah interesting it doesn't really i've found that if you're in professional sport or for me anyway being in sport as your thing that can sometimes become intense actually doing exercise on top of that doesn't necessarily fit the bill because it feels like you're just contributing to the thing that's maybe wearing you down um so so i guess i've uh, i've found that actually stripping it back to to trying to do nothing and actually like meditation in its kind of more traditional form is something that i've really leaned on because it's when i like constantly training and doing more is always the urge and the, the, the thing you feel like is the right thing to do but actually the best thing to find a bit of balance is to try and do nothing, which is amazingly difficult <laughs> um, when it should be so easy. Um, but that makes so much sense. I love that. I love the thought or the the kind of uh, principle of coming back to to the why. It's something that I have always thought a lot about. I was introduced to the thought of like, you know, your why, the reason you're doing it and that being underpinning and being the foundation for everything you do. I think that's so powerful. Um, obviously what your project that you've, built and a sustaining and that is now thriving is something that's incredibly selfless. It's not just about raising money and supporting the NHS and the heroes that work there, but you've created a community. And obviously that's something that's massive for, for days. Beers is the ability to kind of sit down and share a beer with your pals and, and you're building a community around that kind of ritual, that process as well. But what do you think shaped that motivation for you, that kind of selfless motivation to want to give so much of yourself to actually helping others. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I never really see it like that. It, like I see it as a community. I don't really see it as my time that does it. But I don't know. I've, I've always, like, I've got two passions, I'd say. I really, I've always tried to raise money for charity in general. And I love running. And I just thought, well, if you could combine the two passions, then it doesn't really feel like work. <laughs> so I'm always a big believer that... um you shouldn't feel like our job shouldn't feel like a job. And I always say that to my friends that if they're working in something that they don't like, I'm like, it doesn't need to be like that. You can actually find something that you really enjoy doing. So every morning right now, like I wake up and I'm excited to start to like understand what's going to happen because already I've learned so much. And if nothing came of it, then actually it's really good learning experience from what I've already now got and can hopefully put it into something else 
I guess that's one and two. I I, I have like a. I just I, I feel like there's there's um something that really good that could come of Run for Heroes and now it's not even now I've like we've we've created a charity from it so now it's a charity and it has a board of trustees and that means all those people are have a little bit of Run for Heroes and they have a part to play in it and that's so lovely it's like very much I want we built this and it's never going to be a company it's never going to make money it's it's a charity that will hopefully keep doing good for other causes and everybody can have a little bit and everybody can contribute to it. And I think that's such a nice, nice, nice thing um, to have kind of built and look back upon. As well, like it's global, right? It's not just a UK thing. Um, this is something that I didn't realize initially, but it's something like over 20 countries actually took part in something, sort of the running 5K uh, like model, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was something that is good to touch upon because we, I wish we could have tracked some of them back to all the people, but we did in the Netherlands. We worked out, you know, the Red Cross in the Netherlands got in touch and said, we started to get all these five pound donations. So we worked back out and it's somebody in London tagged, you know, this, this guy in Amsterdam. And, um, and then they just put the donation box of the Red Cross on all their stories and they raised half a million in the Netherlands. So that was like, and, you know, for them to call up and thank us, wow. it was such a, it was such a lovely moment because it has gone on this like very simple model. And that's why I think it's worked so well. It was like run 5K, donate five pounds, nominate five people. It's so simple. And it meant that it was universal. I love that. And there's certainly something probably in the simplicity of it that, that made it such a success. And it's been a pretty quick journey, right? From kind of basically giving up your, your old job and kind of fully committing to this. And you're now at this stage where there's all this success kind of under your belt or however you want to take it. But I know that you're looking forward to the future as well. But how do you feel about that as in about yourself now with the success you've had moving forward and kind of taking that on, building on that? And how comfortable, I guess, are you in in your new role and in the kind of new space that you sort of occupy in the world right now? Well, it all kind of came to us when we were, it was like two months, three months after we had launched it and then we, we sat down in like June outside in Inverleaf Park in Edinburgh. And it was like, oh my goodness, we just raised all this money and we've never even seen each other. And we're like, what are we going to do? Like, we've got this engaged, you know, 50,000 community. What do we do with it? And also like, we've clearly tapped into something. So we brainstormed loads of different ideas and kind of thought, well, what, you know, and we kind of came back to the DNA of Run for Heroes, which is um, never asking people to do like to do too much but getting them to do a little bit to make a big difference so we thought why don't we own may is our month and why don't we make this an annual event pretty much and um, but open up to all charities so we're working towards 5k may now and also to try and engage a predominantly millennial and gen z audience back into giving because charity's forgotten about it and often charity it's not forgotten about it but they've not known how to do it and what we're trying to do now is to try and get, is to try and make charity more accessible, more inclusive, um, because that's what Ron Furious was all about. It was about inclusion. I'm excited to see what's going to happen, but it has been, <laughs> it's been, it's just been a massive learning journey. And ultimately, I think it'll, we'll look back on it and, and hopefully be really happy that we kind of just kept pushing. The message of asking people to, to not, not for too much, kind of just asking for a little bit and that contributing 
to a bigger kind of goal or a bigger change. And I think that's something that's super important at the moment, particularly for people, because I think people are finding it difficult to, to make big change. Um, but, but it's true all the time. And especially around this time of year, you hear a lot of people wanting to make big changes. But actually, I think what I'm hearing from you and, and certainly something I've experienced whether it's in terms of training or, or just aiming towards a goal that might be in the future is it's about incremental kind of improvements and actually growth over time. And sometimes it's doing the small things on a daily, weekly basis, whatever it is, whether that's just, you know, going for a 5k every week or every day or whatever your level is, um, or reading or anything. It is just about doing a little bit and over time you see the change, but I think it's very difficult um, well, the challenge comes from seeing the end goal quite clearly, but it looking like there's a big old void in between. And I guess it's just trust, trusting that those daily, weekly kind of increments do add up to the goal. And um, well, certainly the way you've approached it is kind of testament to that. And I'm sure that will continue. You're absolutely right to say that. It's like lots of different people coming together to be able to create change. So when you look back at the last kind of nine, 10 months or whatever, uh, what makes you proudest? Honestly, like I'd say, I think doing something when you have an idea to, to roll with it. Um, and, and ultimately, if, if I look back on that first day and I thought, actually, it's fine, I'm not going to do it. I'm a bit worried about what's going to happen. We would have never been, it would be seven million pound or eight million pound worse off than it is now. So I think it's, I think if I'm proud of that, of just like pursuing and not kind of, even if people tell you that it might not really work, which they're often to do people, are, which of course is, is, it's all really good advice and you have to learn, you have to take people's concerns and then try and build them into your plan. And so that, and then also just break you know, like I think the last couple of months have been so difficult for like everybody. It's, it's not been easy. Um, and it's just been like getting up every day and just trying to think of things for your time with, you know, like at the weekends have like a goal to, I don't know, go on a run or go on a walk or do something. Um, and just surrounding, you know, myself with my friends and family, which has been, you know, they've, they've definitely kept yeah, me going for the last couple of months. <laughs> Yeah, that's certainly come through quite strongly, I think, is how much you value the, the support of your family um, and friends and everyone else who's been involved in the project. I think that's really cool. Um, what about some of the external accolades? Because I know you've had a few. The biggest one, probably the MBE. So how does that sit with you? As someone whose motivations are clearly very selfless and it's a lot about other people, how, how, do, you, how do you wear those things? They've, it's been, you know what, it's been really nice. The first, the first one was the point of light that we got from um, the prime minister. And I think that was the first one that was like, wow, actually people are understanding this has been quite cool. Run for Heroes has been amazing. But I do very, very much see it as an award for Run for Heroes, not, you know, they have to put it towards a name. So <laughs> it's the, they put it towards it. But if it was, if it could, if Run for Heroes could have a point of flight, that's what it's for. Um, so that was the first one, which was absolutely incredible. And then the second one, yeah, I mean, the MB, to get MB, wild. <laughs> like, I genuinely, like, it was, it, it was lovely that they put out a, um, you know, special recognition awards for COVID because it kind of makes all the hard work worth it. But again, it goes back to that thing of 
it had to be split between if, if like the 1.5 million runners hadn't gone out like yourself um, or the producer of this podcast or whoever it might be hadn't gone out and run and donated five pounds, we would have never been able to get to it. So I think it's massively a community effort. Um, but again, they have to put it at the end of my name, which <laughs> has been pretty cool. And yeah, extremely You'll take it, you'll take it, Olivia. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think my granddad was like, the happiest person I've ever like cried his eyes out. So <laughs> it's definitely made him a happy oh, man. Um, my my granddad is a um, he's a really defining character of my life. I'd say he's he's an amazing man, um, and he he always he's a, like the most positive person in the world. He's like a positive person, and he says every morning you just have to be like everything's going to be fine. Stand on your tiptoes around your room and just be like today is great. The world is wonderful. Try and you know be positive and stay positive even if things aren't going so well and I think that I tried to take that mentality throughout life but yeah it's actually it was thanks though to a, to a my sister's friend who had had nominated me because he his family worked at the NHS and he's lovely he and he kind of put all these letters together which I hadn't realized um and and then on in August I got this like email from the palace I thought it was <laughs> I was like, what is this? And it was like, you've been awarded the MB. Are you going to accept? I was like, what? Um, so yeah, it was pretty cool. But then I was hard a secret because it doesn't come out until October. So I kind of had to not tell anybody until then. Um, and then it came out and it was yeah, pretty cool. Oh, that's a nice moment to to kind of mark your own success for sure. And but I'm sure the the 1.5 million plus people will be glad to know that they get a share of that MBE as well. That you're allowing them to take a, a share in that. Right. This is something I'd like to ask you. Using your imagination for a moment, if you were to take your favourite people, your friends, your family, whoever it might be, you get to choose, and a case of Days beers, and you can take them wherever you want in the world, anywhere you can imagine to sit down, enjoy a nice moment with your loved ones, the people closest to you, where would you go? Given the current situation um, and given it's like my favorite place ever and I'm, my friends are so bored by hearing about it, but there's some hills just outside of Edinburgh called the Pentlands and they are absolutely stunning. They're filled with snow right now. They're like so picturesque around at the weekend and I'd probably if I could take my friends <laughs> socially distanced um, up there and enjoy the landscape of Edinburgh, I think I'd do that. And especially how days is an Edinburgh company. So we'll bring it back to, to its hometown. Um, but yeah, it's, I'd recommend right. anybody to, to, to go up there and enjoy it because it does feel like a million miles away. Nice. Well, hopefully it won't be long before you're able to actually, actually do that. It's nice and close to home. So we make it happen. Um, Olivia, thank you so much uh, for your time and for sharing everything about your story, the journey you've been on and about kind of your own experiences of it. I think there's so much good stuff in there, so much valuable kind of takeaways for, for people and myself included. Um, and I think it's inspiring. And I think that's a, a word that shouldn't be used lightly, the way you've approached this challenge and and continue to do so. And it's making a huge difference for loads of people, the people that take part, the people who are the beneficiaries of the money's raised. Um, so good luck with it. Keep going. By way of, uh, of wrapping up today, let's cheers to something. What would you like to cheers to today, Olivia? Uh, I think I'm going to have to cheers to all the key workers that are currently um, out there right now. You know, the teachers, the doctors, the nurses, 
firefighters, whoever it might be that that are you know risking their lives every day to ensure that we're um, kind of kept and safe and and well. And I think that they've been given you know loads. They should have always been respected as much as they they are now in the community. And I think that we've got to yeah give a little cheers and shout out to them definitely. Amazing. <laughs> Olivia Strong, MBE. Cheers, sticky <laughs> Thanks. workers. Thanks so much, Tom. It's been it's been great chatting. 